What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongol, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. The Hounds drew with Tampa and then clobbered Atlanta and now sit all alone at the top of the Atlantic Division. We're going to break it all down, but first, Josh, our victory, victory beverage. Yeah. Yep, yep. Cloudwalker IPA. Cloudwalker. I feel like you need to, like, taste it and give us your immediate response, so let's... I've actually had Cloud Walker before, and I grabbed oh. it specifically for this one because I was like, oh, walking on clouds. Cloud nine. This is kind of clever. And then, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> very nice. Very I, nice. I do feel like as long as they're only sending Josh beer, then like they get like 25 seconds on the show. But if they want us to talk about <laughs> more stuff, then, you know. Kevin's got his watch out and he is like looking at that time. Like, all right, let's go. That's enough of your time. That's enough victory. Feeling pretty Kev parched over here. <laughs> Kev, what's been going on in uh, in Tennessee? I, did you see, is it Knoxville? Their team released mm -hmm. their crest and it looks pretty sweet. Yeah, no, actually, Josh, on Twitter, you're the one who, who kind of flagged me to it initially. I, I, I've been aware of the chat of like, yeah, Knoxville having a, a soccer club and um, I didn't know that the logo kind of release party was happening. I saw pictures from the release party. You know, a decent number of people turned out. And then even just um, this weekend, uh, Riley and I just went into town, walked around outside for a bit. And yeah, I already saw someone like randomly walking down the street with a with a Knoxville um, like soccer logo hat on. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's cool. The colors are cool. I mean, if anything, I feel like it's, a, it's just a good general like look for Knoxville. It's not necessarily like soccer related. I mean, right. and and I don't, I, I haven't read their things. But, I mean, they are technically a sporting club, right? I mean, but like it, it's soccer. I'm sure. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe there's going to be lacrosse and cricket and whatever. But um, and, and in that sense, the logo kind of makes sense. But I think it's it's a good marketing kind of idea at least for them because it's general enough where like even non-soccer people would be like oh that's a cool little knoxville like logo so it legit looks like rei or something like that yeah, like, yeah. I, I was like oh patagonia rei like this is just like a brand that looks like it fits right into there which is yeah. great for knoxville i'm sure yeah then yeah. they're league one or they yeah. will be league one yeah yeah league one yeah, so we, we don't have any shot of losing you to them until what championship? Just, <laughs> until Pro Rel happens, and then <laughs> they make their way up. We'll have I, well, no, I'll, I'll definitely be a. I'll, I'll try to check out check out some games when they finally start happening. Because um, it's yeah, well, where they'll be playing, it's in like a good little spot of town, and yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. We'll have we'll have Kevin back on as a guest whenever you know Knoxville <laughs> plays Riverhounds. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, um, we uh, it was funny, you know, Kev. I'm just picturing you going to a Knoxville game and being like, "Well, this is crap," and then like <laughs> not wanting to, you know, watch anymore. When we went, uh, my my oldest has started playing with varsity out here in Ligonier, and they had a scrimmage against Indiana on Saturday, and so we spent two hours roasting in the sun in the stands, watching them scrimmage. And I was telling Josh off air, my middle son was like. After watching a lot of games and not playing in as many games, my middle son has a whole new perspective for how the game is played. And he's just sitting here and he's like, well, this is rubbish. Like, why aren't they <laughs> spreading out? Why aren't they talking? He said, can I go down there? I said, no, you can't go down there. You got to stay up here and keep your mouth shut like the rest of us adults. Like a so, little Roy Kent. Like, that's right. <laughs> barking oh, at the crowd. <laughs> there were a lot of Roy Kent comments as we were there. We were all just sort of grunting like, Ugh. <laughs> 
yeah that's perfect yeah ted lasso season two if you haven't been watching it go check it out it's yeah. it's amazing um there's just been like a bunch of people like that have like i know don't care about soccer or sports have been mentioning like oh yeah i'm watching ted like people who don't even like watch tv or like oh yeah but i'm watching ted lasso like, jeez i need to get on this you haven't watched it yet no oh dude it's great yeah you gotta give it a shot i think look I, people like to watch it because it's sort of a feel-good show like with all of just everything going on which we're not going to get into you like watch it and you're like oh yeah there's like good people in this world um you know lots and lots of swearing so you know my wife is still every time the kids watch it with me she's just like oh mike like come on oh, come on because roy <laughs> kent especially will just like spew you know he's very british very he's very Let's it all out there. And, yes. Yeah. You know, it makes cursing sound elegant sometimes. It, it does. <laughs> it's an it's an art form, and that's yes. that's what I yeah. stress to him. I'm like, guys, they are in England. This is how they talk in England. <laughs> you don't talk as like, <laughs> just a huge, just a huge paintbrush over across yep, like, yep. culture. Just filthy mouths, all of them over there, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually thought about how this could like shape my kids' perspe perspective of England as they grow up. I'm just for my own purposes, so I can continue watching the show while they're around. I'm just like, yeah, that's what they do there. At some point, I'll be like, not everybody talks like that, guys. That was just like for the England is so cool. Let's go. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Coolest country ever. <laughs> Oh man, um, uh, yeah, we might have to do like a. Uh, we'll get off Ted Lasso here in a second. Maybe we'll do like a Ted Lasso season two recap or something like that, and have everybody on and they want to talk about Ted Lasso, which would be a big party. But uh, <laughs> they had a they had a um, oh crap, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Wrexham shout out mm -hmm. on the most recent episode, which was great. That encouraged some banter back and forth. So i anyway. guess yeah we got to talk about the hounds guys I, i'm saying this like it's a bad thing so we played tampa on wednesday and we played atlanta on sunday guys going into both of those games kev i think you laid it out where you said if we could take a loss in tampa but a win at atlanta how would you feel oh right that's right yeah, I did say that. yeah. yes you did you're shaking your head i'm like no you said that um i said it and we sort of played that game well, it turns out we ended up getting four points out of the two games. So let's start with Tampa. Nil-nil draw. Not a ton happening. You know, a little tick for tack back and forth. But I guess the biggest disappointment is that the Hounds didn't technically register a shot on target, even though Perez smacked one off the crossbar. Um, that's not great. But, you know, Tampa came into town. They, at that point... I believe they were above us in the table tied on points. And so the draw basically kept us even on points. So there was no movement there, but otherwise, I mean, are you guys, obviously we would like the three points, but based on the performance that we saw, were either of you disappointed that the game ended in a draw? I don't know. I mean, it, I think when you have big kind of big clashes, like this at the top of the table, I think more often than not, they end up being a bit, uh static and you know because both teams maybe show a bit too much respect both teams don't necessarily want to go for the jugular and leave themselves too exposed at the back and um i mean yeah the, this game i mean talk about just complete kind of yin and yang of excitement between this and atlanta that we'll talk about in a second but 
Um, no, I mean, not disappointed. Tampa are a good side. I mean, as as we speak, they're up in their game that they're playing right now. So, you know, they would go back to 37 points with two games in hand against us. Um, they're good. They're a good side. And I think you know, it, it's not as simple as, you know, I mean, look, it, no matter who we're playing, we should be getting shots on target. I'm not saying like the Hounds played well, um, but I think Tampa are a good side. And, and more often than not, the case for for this season when we play really well it's usually it's a combination of us playing well and the other team playing terribly and and kind of vice versa when we don't get a result and i think this was a case where we didn't play particularly well and, and tampa didn't play poorly and and you know you end up getting a, a kind of result that we see yeah i mean it's a situation where that was our fourth game in two weeks and tampa wasn't having short rests they they had a full week to recoup and I'm happy with that point. Like it, it's a uh, you know a good team, and we are battling to stay in first place to stay at the top of the table. And yeah, I'd happily take that point. And I actually thought we looked like the better team. Um, it was pretty close there for a while, but like I don't know. Like even though both teams were playing as if they did not want to lose, not that they wanted to win, uh, which is a little bit concerning sometimes. Like I, I hate when I see that. Like from the Hounds. Like you should be playing to win, but uh, can't really complain. I mean, given the scenario, Josh, as you pointed out, fourth game in two weeks, it was a midweek game. We had just played the weekend before. Had this game been played on the weekend and they had seven days off, would you guys have been disappointed in that performance? I would have wanted to see a little bit more attack focus. Like I, I, I felt like it, we were really reserved and like really not taking too many chances and trying to win the game, which – I feel like we can beat Tampa. Like it's, it's not like they're invincible. So we should have been playing for the win if that was the case. But in this situation, fourth game in two weeks, that's a, that's a lot, you know? And so like, sure. Didn't, didn't Lily like say in one of the press conferences that like, yeah, like, I don't know. I think well, he, he explicitly said like, yeah, rotations on my mind, essentially. Like I, like we have to kind of thing. And so I think when a manager does that, you know, it's usually I feel like you can walk that line of like, oh, we're fine. Every team has to deal with it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, but so the fact that, you know, Lily kind of says it in press conferences, I think is is, is telling. I mean, I was going to say the last midweek press conference that he had because he hasn't had them in a few weeks because we've just had games. and They've been traveling and everything else that was, he brought it up on his own. Like it wasn't even a question where it was just like, yeah, we I think it was eight games in six weeks or whatever it was. And we just had to cram them all in. Or it was, I think it was eight games through the whole course of August. So um, the way we'll wrap things up is now we have, I guess, technically five days off. We'll play again on Saturday. We'll have one more midweek game next Wednesday, not this week, but then that's it for the midweek games for the rest of the season. So then we just have Saturday games from there on out, whereas other teams are going to have to start playing a lot more midweek games. So, Hopefully, you know, if we just keep winning, then we'll head into the playoffs with a little bit fresher legs than some of these other teams and fingers crossed, you know, good things happen. So I totally agree. I think that you know, Tampa is definitely beatable. Um, I was a little bit frustrated because listening to the announcers at home, you would have thought that Tampa was like the best team in the world. And they just kept talking about, oh, you know, all their attack attacking firepower and all of this. And it's like, it was a nil-nil draw. Like, what are, what are you raving about here, about Tampa, that, you know, they're so special and that there was nothing, like, super special here. So 
that's what you get whenever you know you use the canned USL announcers that are based out of Tampa. Um, so I tweeted well, that out, and Tuffy Tuffy retweeted it, and I was kind of like, <laughs> I was like Tuffy, like that was kind of a shot at you. Like let's bring back Matt and Gene and Paul, but yeah. So, well, at this rate too, um, I'll bring this up maybe for a point of discussion later about the goals against stuff. But for like, as far as like how many goals scored so far this season, um, you know, we're the most in our conference, uh, and even trying to take into consideration with like games played. So sure, Tampa still has two games played with us, but I, even let's say they just, you know, snap their fingers and, you know, a break in the space-time continuum happens and they play their two games and they're caught up, but they don't play, you know, they would have to score, I would say, an above average amount of goals to surpass us on, on goal scored. So, I mean, yeah, we're, by the numbers, we're the most, you know, attacking team in in the conference that's not, that's not the right word because you can be attacking and not score but we're, we're scoring the most goals we're and on top of that i think look i'm not watching the, the conference teams week in week out i don't know how many chances they're creating but you know i am watching the hounds every week and we're not it's not just we have 100 percent conversion rate and we're scoring all the goals that we're creating we're creating a ton of chances on top of this and so yeah i think i think from from an attacking standpoint it's pretty safe to say I think we're the we're the we're the best attacking team in the conference. I mean, I was thinking back to this a little bit, and this is sort of transition into the Atlanta game. So if you guys have any other thoughts on Tampa, we can come back to it. But um, there were moments in the Atlanta game where it just felt like we had runners attacking at will between Dixon and Griffin, sort of playing balls over the top in behind. Um, we haven't had that in past seasons. We had one or two guys up top that you would kind of sort of feed the ball to, but it feels like with this team, the attack can start and finish from pretty much anywhere and anyone, which is exactly where you want to be. So when Lily is saying that this team is definitely better than last year's team and one of the best teams he's coached, I think you could see that. Now, I think what was very interesting, and uh, our buddy over at USL Tactics did a video on it today that we retweeted, Lily rolling out in Atlanta with a three six one, which like if it worked that well against Atlanta and it can work this well against other teams, like bring it on because that was some crazy fun times uh, in that game. Josh, I mean, what was? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say that's a that's a tactic that I think works well when the team isn't the greatest. Like when you don't have to worry about defense as much. Like yes, you have all six in the middle who can be defensive or offensive, but it's, it's a situation where like, I feel like that's not what you do when you play Tampa. That's not what you do when you play a team that is, you know, more attack heavy and can pile in the goals. I mean, notwithstanding their performance against Indy, uh, <laughs> which they did pile in the goals, but that's, that's, I don't know. I, I feel like that's not going to work all the time. Which, just for the record, it seemed like Atlanta was getting really annoyed that the Hounds were pressing for a fifth goal in this game after they scored six on Indy. So, like, I have zero sympathy yeah. for them in that case. Like, they could. What deal. were they doing to suggest that they were getting annoyed that we were pushing for a fifth goal? Just from the fouls that we were seeing yeah. and like Late the, the play game, on the field was yeah. really getting choppy from uh, from Atlanta, like as if they were like really angry, just going in dirty a little bit. Which you know they're losing by a lot, and I they're mostly young kids because it's a USL or MLS two team. So kind of get it. Uh, but before we get completely off Tampa Bay, uh, just wanted to point out. So 
uh, Mike Shoemaker, he has a nice spreadsheet that he's been maintaining and he's keeping track of points per game uh, for every team in our division. And uh, they have 1.89 points per game and we have Tampa. one point. Yeah, Tampa. And we have a uh, 1.76. So they're in first, we're in second as far as points per game. So it's kind of nice to keep that in mind because it's hard to tell with the table not being balanced right now. And you've seen like, you know, I think Tampa has three games in hand. Uh, by the time people listen to this, it might only be two because they play tonight. Uh, but it's it's really hard to kind of judge where you are actually in the table when everyone has different amount of games played. So them having, you know, 0.89 and we having 0.76, that's not too far off each other. And we are in second, they are in third. So our first, I mean, so that's kind of nice to know. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kev, what are your, what are your hot takes from the Atlanta game? I mean, you mentioned uh, like the tactics and everything. I, I think it also helps that, Atlanta was playing a formation that really benefited how we play. Um, I think playing like a diamond in the midfield, it's 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 hard to execute. Um, there's not a ton of teams that do it. And you end up getting like, it's really hard to get width in that system. You end up being pretty narrow. And when we have our width are coming from essentially like Dixon being <laughs> like, you know, and, and one of, I think one of the best things that we've been doing all season is our movement and our pattern of play. And so you can kind of shift these players all over the place for Atlanta. I mean, for so many of their goals, uh, for so many of, of our goals um, that we scored against them, I mean, I mean, you know, Cicerone's first goal. I mean, you could drive a friggin' 18 wheeler through, <laughs> through the, the, I was the like, how line. is he not offside? And he yeah. wasn't offside. Nope. It was just, yeah. And, and, and the amount of balls that Atlanta were giving away. So, I mean, look, Dixon wins the ball back for that first goal, but he really, look, uh, credit to Dixon. He's there. He's pressing in the right place. He's in the right position, but the Atlanta guy under pressure from Kenny just passes it right to Dixon, you know, in, in a, in a bad place. And Williamson makes a really good run to pull defender, and Cicerone is left wide open in the middle. Um, and it, yeah, incredible ball from Dixon, perfectly weighted. Cicerone doesn't even have to make a touch; he just lets it roll and opens his body up and, and slots it. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's. I think it was a combination where the the jigsaw pieces kind of fell into place for us. And I mean, even if you look at you know Atlanta playing two forwards, um, you know, ideal, you know, like by the numbers. Like yeah, a three center back system against two forwards is great. Like if you if you have like a back like like a back four with two center backs and you're playing two forwards, then you can get you're kind of going one on one with center backs. That, that creates a little bit of an issue. And when you have three center backs, great. We have one more defender than you. And really, I mean, that's what we've been doing all season. That's what we did in the Atlanta game. You know, I I've been critical of of our defense and our center backs maybe not performing up to the levels that we have come to expect in the past few seasons. But I think kind of I, I'm, I I try to follow up with that immediately after that they're they're being asked to do a difficult job and that they're pressing high and I mean apart from Griffin, really everyone else is dedicated to just keep the the cycle of play moving and to contribute and attack in whatever way they can and so a lot of times they're left defending one on one and counterattacks uh, situations where everyone's running pretty quickly and you have to make split second decisions and and so that's a hard thing to do and. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so I think we lined up perfectly against them and, uh, and we caught them on one of the nights where, you know, 
we are playing well and it's super exciting and yeah the complete opposite to the to the tampa game so we got to give a shout out obviously to russell cicerone for the uh three goals he got his hat trick which which one of the three goals was your favorite josh I mean, the first one was right in front of the Steel Army, so that was that was great. Um, and it was kind of also fun to watch that goal just because of the fact that like he just missed that PK, and it was a situation where you could tell it was just like ugh, like that. And he was really upset after he scored his first goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He was just like, okay, there, okay, it's okay yeah. now. You know, <laughs> yeah. it almost felt like he he was pressuring himself to score that goal just because he felt so bad for missing the PK. Uh, well, he didn't miss, but you know, he got blocked. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it so that one was it was pretty nice. But um his second one was also cool because kind of got celebration with the Steel Army. Like they came over and that kind of stuff. So that colors my opinion a lot <laughs> with the goal celebration. Um so I I'd probably say the the first one though, just because it was such a huge relief after missing that PK uh chance. And it's like okay. Um but uh, with, along those lines, him and Dixon, you know, pairing up a lot was Fantastic. Uh, I was looking into it. So they have actually, between the two of them, six goals where they've paired up uh, total this season so far. Uh, four of those goals are Cicerone's with Dixon assists, and then two of them are Dixon goals with Cicerone assists. So it's kind of a cool little thing. I like when we have a, you know, a pair of players who are actually, like, sinking so well that they can start really tearing up the field and just – getting in those goals. So I'm, I'm curious. I haven't gone back and looked, but I'm wondering like what other duos in Hound's history, like, is it going to be like, you know, uh, Kevin Kerr and uh, Vincent, like, is, did they have more goals together in one season? Yeah. Like I'm wondering who had the most goals together in one season. Yeah. And you could tell on that third goal that once Dixon had it, first of all, it was a nice little flicker on the defender. You could see the defender drop his head like, ah, crap. And <laughs> and Dixon basically just sort of ran out of space. And he knew. You could see at one moment his hand just sort of flicks forward, like, come on, come on, like like telling Russell, like, come on. And it was just <laughs> – it was a perfect little cross to him. So, yeah. I'm guessing two. that was your favorite sister any goal? I did like that one. Um, I, I think, you know – the first two are really similar. Uh, Steve Mattias uh, basically said in chat here that Cicerone's second goal is one of the best pieces of skill that you'll see in the U- in the USL. Um, it's up for gold week this week, so if you really like it, head over to USL Championship, vote for it for the goal of the week. I thought the second one was good. I mean, he he sort of turned the defender inside out just by like cutting back once and then cutting back twice. I thought that the finish was better than the cutback, and I think that it seemed like the cutback got a lot of attention. But when he cut back to his left foot, he almost didn't even look and just passed it into the far post. Like he just knew where the far post was, and so that was impressive. Um I, I mean, honestly, I think all the goals are great. I was just as impressed with the the assists. Like I said, Dixon's on the third one, Dixon on the first one, Griffin on the second one. I thought Griffin's second pass. I thought Griffin for the second one was arguably the best assist I've seen in a while. I mean, that's yeah. a to to be in his position, right? Because it's not like he's just. I'm not downplaying because oh, I was gonna say I'm not downplaying Dixon here at all. By what I'm about to say, and on top of this, Dixon gets more assists, not in this way, but like in a, in a for a player that plays in Dixon's position with the speed he has, stereotypically and classically, they use their speed, they get down the line, and they swing it across, right? And and someone attacks it. Um, 
I mean, that's a bit more straightforward for players in that, in that scenario, right? You know, you just have to get down the line and wrap your foot around it and put it in the 18 with some pace on it. And that's what you're doing for, for Griffin in the position that what he was in, you know, he's in the middle of the field essentially with players all around them. That, that the vision to see that pass is not straightforward and it was perfectly weighted. He curls it around multiple players, takes multiple players out of the game. And, uh, and yeah, and then Cicerone, what with a with a cutback and then a Cruyff turn, just yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, I will say, you know, I think one of the other highlights uh, highlights in my mind is that Atlanta has some players that can play. The problem is, is that you know it's it's very similar. I, I made this comparison um, to my wife when we were watching the the high school game. They have a lot of players that can play really well individually and have moments of flair and like want to take on another player, which is really dangerous. But when you have a full team of players like that, like one person can't beat six players. It's not going to happen. Like you have to have guys that you have to work as a system. And there were moments that I think Atlanta did a, a decent job of working as a system. But for the most part, you would see some of those flashes and be like, wow, that guy's really good. Um, like number 10, I forget what his name, the guy who scored. He had a couple moments where it was like, man, yeah, he's, he, you know, why is he not with their MLS team at this point? But he can't do it himself. So like, this was clearly a case of where the sum of our parts was better than some of their parts. And it showed in the final scoreline and on the field. Um, what do you guys think of the, the foul in the box that Cicerone got his PK from? It looked pretty soft from the stands. It, it, I, I was questioning, like, did it even happen in the box or did he like flop into the box? I mean, it was in the box, but it wasn't like, I don't think it was a, pk worthy foul like it, it looked like i was like no mm, okay <laughs> i'll take it but yeah i'll you take know. it yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> probably worse than that though was our foul against them in the box like near the end of the game uh yeah, that should have been a pen. that should have been a pen. That <laughs> I was like a pen. like you know we're, we won by a lot so like it i don't feel like it would have changed the outcome of the game uh, either one of those calls but it was definitely a situation where i'm like mm, wow we got that lucky huh and then we got lucky again when we did get a PK in, the, uh, in their box. So, yeah. How many times of the season can you think of that being the case with us? Oh, no, hardly like, ever. Exactly. Hardly <laughs> ever. It's fine. I don't feel yeah. bad about it at all. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like, I was like, oh, okay, that was some crappy uh, refereeing there. Yeah. Yep. That's the USL for you. <laughs> um, I guess what else? I 17 year old Borso keeps getting minutes with this team, which is great, even though it's late in the game. He seems cool and, and, collected on the ball which is great i mean we talk about players coming up through the academy and and uh, he's another prime example we'll see what happens you know whether or not this continues after the season um but uh no this is awesome i mean it continues to be what we've been calling for all along so that's great um what other takeaways did you guys have from this one or, or the tampa game anything else before we sort of move on here and talk about what's coming up uh video he did really good um yeah. there was that opportunity uh that close to uh i think it was a corner near the yeah. beginning of the game and it looked like it was good and just like curl right into the goal and he kind of did some clever movement there to uh bat that out of the goal uh it the, was, yeah the, the announcers were like oh we think that was in i don't think that that is physically possible like yes you can curl in the ball from a corner into the net you absolutely can but where the ball was being curled in like just inside the front post 
like the amount of bend it would have to swing out to then come back in at the speed that Vidiello saved it, it would have gone in had he not saved it. But I don't think it crossed the line where he caught it and threw it back out. We just physically, I don't think it's possible. Definitely not at the USL level. So like, let's just put it there. I agree. I agree with your result, but I disagree with your reasoning. I think it's possible. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree though that like, at one hand, look, in that scenario, it needs to be conclusive. I mean, look, and it also, I'm watching it from the TV. Um, yeah. you, like yeah. without without the technology, you have to rely on lines, like on the ref, uh, on the part on the lines, the lines ref. I think Linesman. presumably that's what they're doing. Like yeah. he, he, like if you watch the replay, he's clearly watching it, and like yeah. he has a great shot of it. Like he is like bending down, looking on the line of you know the the end line, and like making sure it didn't go in. Like he's he's there, right there, and there's a clear line of sight. It's not even like he had his uh, view blocked, so it's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. I thought it, is there what? Just because we haven't talked about it, I mean, is there any? news on um Dover. uh dequa like is he hurt i i believe dequa picked up a knock yeah. um but because we haven't had any press conferences recently there hasn't been any news on the injury front i think that also one of the things that lily had mentioned at one point was because of this condensed schedule they are less likely to rush guys back because they just don't have time to train in between games and get them up to speed to then get them back in the game. So Dover is apparently pretty close to returning, but he's not going to just throw him right back into a game at this point. And there just isn't time to train in between games to get him minutes. So that might change going into this weekend where they have five days. Um, But even at that, looking at their travel schedule, I think they were off today uh they get another rest day tomorrow i think they'll train for two days and then they travel on friday and then they're right they're right there at the game on saturday so yeah i mean williamson has been playing well like oh yeah that's in in these scenarios if you find yourself on the bench and you feel like you, you should be starting you know yeah these are your opportunities that you have to take and i mean look he's not he's not playing like cicerone but you know he gets his goal against atlanta and and I think he's making, you know, he's making good movements and creating chances, and and so yeah, I, I think uh, in 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 history where if Dos Santos goes down, we're kind of scratching our heads. I mean, you know, the fact that Deco can kind of go down with a knock, and we have someone like Williamson to step up, it's yeah, it's uh, it's quite good. So Deco, let's say Deco was healthy, are you starting Deco or Williamson at this point? I'd, I'd say it depends on like yeah how fresh williamson's legs are um congestion but if it's all everything's equal i think it's one of those where it's a toss-up and and it would it would go down to lily seeing who has a better week in training um i don't think williamson has done enough where it's okay even if even if dequa outperforms you in training this week i'm still playing you because of your previous performances i don't think he's done enough to where it's like at that level um, but he's done enough where it it like it's legitimately up for grabs and in, in training during the week for me. Yeah, I think it's Dequa gets to start. And but I, I also think though that like we see, you know, we have a lot of subs. There's a lot of sub situations here, like five subs in this game. So I think you see see them both <laughs> throughout the whole game. Um but yeah, he has a groin injury. He's out. Uh I do remember quickly asking Dover, uh 
on Wednesday's game, you know, when he when he's coming back. Uh, and he's like, soon, soon, should be soon. So, like, Dover's, like, pretty confident he's coming back sometime soon. So, we'll see. But I, I mean, back to the Williams thing, I think I might take Williamson just from the standpoint of his set piece. I mean, he scored off a few set pieces already this year. Yeah, but I you don't, don't like Well, <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna reopen? Where's Justin? Are we gonna reopen I will that say, game from last year? I mean, back from the Dover thing. I mean, yeah, he's been on the show. I think he's great. I, I mean, I think he's he's been in a really important player for us in the, in the past few seasons, and I think he's he's a great personality to have around the team. I think there's a serious question around, especially with like you know how we've been playing of late. And with the likes of, you know, it started with Wharton playing at left wing back and now it's moved on to practically like just put anyone you want there essentially on, on either side and just play. Um, you know, we, we've kind of evolved into this like eh, three center backs and, and everyone, everyone else can just kind of play where they need to. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but, um, you know, Dixon Listen, has kind of can- made that area of the field his own. And you know, with with the likes of Wharton and Perez, and and sometimes Rivera, um, but you know, that's I think I think the whole, you know, the the wing back positions now are are more for me. They're more midfielders that know that they you know have an obligation to defend that area of the field when we're out of possession. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you talking about everybody all over the place. There were a couple times in this game that Kenny was pressing, and I immediately thought of you, Kev, because last season we were like, is Kenny really going to press, or is he going to send Robbie Mertz in? And um, Yeah, and I'm, that, I'm so. constantly amazed. Every time I see him do do like a, a little sprint, you know, past 60 minutes, I'm like, all right, Kenny. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I will just, just to kind of uh, ch- uh, not change, but – kind of balance out what I previously said about Dover. I think Dover historically hasn't been, you know, if you're a fan of the Premier League, like the quintessential like stay-at-home defensive fullback would be like a Juan Basaka from Man United where he's like defensive first, that's his job, that's his duty. Dover in the past, I mean, you know, Dover gets his goals. Dover has scored goals, you know, at Louisville, Do- Dover has scenarios where he feels pretty comfortable um, in the attacking part of the field. So I-, I wouldn't say it's completely like unorthodox. I guess it's just the argument where now that feels it, there's a lot more players vying for that spot. It feels like now, whereas before it was more kind of dedicated fullbacks, kind of you know, kind of fighting for that spot. And now it's it really feels like you know you, you can kind of put almost anyone there. Speaking of putting almost anyone there, Laura Ellen said, have we talked Judge yet? Because I have thoughts. Do you guys have thoughts on... Are you patching in Laura Ellen right now? <laughs> no, I'm not... no, she she had the comment uh, in YouTube, which, you know, for those of you who, uh, who are listening to the audio version of this, you guys are welcome to join us live every Monday, 7.30 p.m. on YouTube. Uh, and you can be part of the conversation, post your comments. But we have not talked Judge yet. Um, I thought Judge was a little too handsy last night and got me really nervous because I thought he was going to get himself ejected from the game. Um, but, uh, yeah. Did you pick up yellow? I no, can't, no, no yellow. Um, he probably should have, but, uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So any other thoughts beyond should have got a yellow? 
I mean, he hasn't played enough for me to really have a strong opinion of him. I I wasn't that impressed with last game. Um, I think before that was he had like 17 minutes, 18 minutes, something like that on the field. So it's not like he has a lot of playing time to his name. So it's hard to judge him that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he yeah, I, I it's just not enough there yet to make a solid opinion on him. Yeah. Laura Ellen has developed a solid opinion. She said, "I that what a mess. I think he had one good play. I do not want to see him again for us. So <laughs> thank you, Laura Ellen. Um, hopefully all is well with uh, with your new house. For those who don't know, Laura Ellen and Justin moved closer to the eastern side of PA, which does not mean that they are no longer Riverhounds fans. You, I'm sure you have not heard the last of them, but uh, that's one of the reasons why they haven't been on recently is uh they just moved across the state so i'm sorry that's dr laura ellen as well because she did get her phd so kudos to laura ellen for getting her doctor um okay i think uh i think we've probably talked both of these games into the ground one thing i will say is uh, on twitter I, i pointed out the fact that it felt like when we have more possession uh those are the games we tend to struggle and for whatever reason it seems like we do really well when we have less possession i actually crunch the numbers on that and there's no validity to that at all uh <laughs> in terms of the last 12 games uh if you average out our percentage uh our, our um uh, our possession percentage over the last 12 games within wins we average about 48.8 percent of uh of the ball for losses, it's 48.9%, so like literally almost the same. Draws, it's 67.2%. Now, there have only been two draws, and both of them were in the high to mid 60 percentages. So I don't, but sample size, correlation, fancy statistic words, I don't think that it means anything at this point. So can't take anything from that. Um, Kudos to you, Mike, for doing some statistics. Well, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying it's more than uh, I, I just show up and <laughs> make stuff up and just talk about the house. Guys, talk up from that, the gut. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We just have you here for the hot takes, Kev. Um, up next, the Hounds will travel to Hartford on Saturday. Now, Hartford only have one win over the past month, um, but they are keeping games close against teams like Tampa and Miami, who are currently in second and third place. Last time we played them, um, we played them twice so far. We're going to play them a total of four, uh, four times. We drew them one, one in basically our second game of the season at the end of July, we beat them three to one at Highmark. That was the game where Dixon had two goals. Perez had one. Uh, I guess guys, any sort of thoughts on going to, to Hartford, Josh, I know there's a watch party at Bulldogs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bulldogs, uh, pub in Morningside. Uh, it's our first watch party of the year. It's the exciting first watch party in like two years now. So it's uh, a big deal. And uh, we're going to have merch on sale at the watch party. I think we're doing all of our old scars for like 10 bucks. So kind of get people out, come out, support the hounds, check out Bulldogs. If you haven't been there, it's really cool. They have like six TVs set up and uh, Jesse, the owner is a huge soccer fan. He really wants to like try to get more and more soccer fans into the the pub so it's been pretty awesome i've gone there the last two saturdays to watch the uh everton play in epl and uh it's been a great atmosphere a lot of fun uh but yeah hartford uh we should win 
it's <laughs> pretty much the way I feel. It's gonna be awesome to actually have the Hounds have almost a full week's rest in between games and see, you know, how that changes their play and just feel like we were gonna actually get Hounds at full capacity. Uh, other than injuries, of course, uh, that we currently are still battling. But overall, it's gonna be this round as we've seen the Hounds in a while. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you, you know that Lily is probably giddy as well about the fact that he gets, like I said, five days to get these guys some rest. And then, like I said, next Wednesday is our last midweek game. And then we go to basically all Saturday games for the rest of the season. So that midweek game next Wednesday is uh, at Highmark against the Red Bulls. The Red Bulls who haven't won since July 7th and they've lost their last five games. So Guys, this is a case where if I'm setting an over-under, I'm going to put it at four and a half. Are you taking the over or the under on both of these games? I'll let Kevin go first. That's, that's <laughs> a, well, the four and a half means we have to win both. Yeah, yeah, it does. So how do you feel about that, Kev? Not great. I mean, I, I think especially... <laughs> do you believe, Kev? Look, I... I believe <laughs> he does not. No, I don't know. Because it's like, I think it's, it's especially at the end of this run to win, to win both games. Well, I mean, against, I think Hartford away is going to be tough. I, I feel really confident being home against the Red Bulls. Um, even though it it's kind of at the end of, of all, you know, this, this hectic midweek uh, schedule. Um, I'm yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm still not convinced that, I mean, you know, I think we played well against Hartford last time, but we're home Dixon's and, you know, I, I, Dixon has that thing, right. With, with Hartford, he has that relationship with being, being a Hartford player last season. And, and I think we kind of have a developing thing with Hartford as well with, we all felt like we just like deserved to be, you know, beat them last season like you know as far as you know like up the table and uh it just felt like they just like cheated somehow <laughs> like leapfrogged us last season and they didn't they, they got their own merit and they're a good team and so i feel like that's i think that's kind of mentally where i'm at with hartford i think they've 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 been playing i think i have watched some of their games uh this season surprisingly enough and and they have been playing decently and so i think they're they're easy to dismiss, but I think they, they're a good side who play who play some good stuff. And I think it's going to be tough traveling on the road to Hartford to play them. Now, I will say this. Here's the caveat. So we're, we go to Hartford Saturday. Red Bulls come to town on Wednesday. We do have a game that following Saturday, and it's in San Antonio. This is when we go out west for our one game. So at that point, going out to San Antonio, I'm guessing – well, no, I mean, every point is a point. I was going to say, otherwise, Lily could just, like – bench the squad and be like you guys take a breather that's not going to happen so i don't think we're going to be taking it easy you know he's got a lot of players to manage because three games in a week um after five days off so does that does that change kevin your thoughts on red bulls on wednesday at all or do you still think that that's a win and we take it at high mark no i don't think it would be as easy as maybe i'm i initially made it sound like um it, it it might be our, our most difficult Red Bulls games of the season, but it, it does feel like for the past two times we've played them, we've, we've turned it up and we've played particularly well. And I know Lily is, I mean, externally, Lily doesn't view anyone as an easy game. Internally, I'm sure that's different. 
Um, but I, I believe him when he says that, you know, he thinks Red Bulls post some serious challenges. And I, I think I understand that because I think in, in a lot of ways, Red Bulls is kind of like how we've been speaking about Atlanta, where individually they have some really talented players where, you know, one-on-one they're scary. Um, but, but when they kind of have to click it together, then, then maybe sometimes that's, that's when they can fall short. But so, yeah, I mean, no, I, I think, and I think the other thing is it shouldn't be entering their, like they, they truly should be taking the one game at a time thought process and, and traveling out West should not come into their mind with, with playing Red Bulls. Um, that might make things more difficult when they play, um, you know, the, the following game against what you said, San Antonio. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I mean, it'll be tough, but I think it's, I still feel pretty confident and Hartford's the one. I mean, yeah, I think especially the benchmark for me in our conference this season is, you know, how well do you do against Miami and, and Tampa and Hartford have done very well against Miami and Tampa over the past yeah. you know, few months. And, uh, and they've played, and like you've said, in the games where, where they're, where they're struggling a bit, I mean, okay. There's a few games where they're losing more than one goal, but they're 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 putting in some good some good uh some what's it's not good competition performances uh, performances. There it is. <laughs> there you go. Nah, nah. I, I feel like we can win both these games. Um. So first off, Hartford. We haven't lost against Hartford this season yet. We've played them twice already. Uh. Granted, we drew one of those uh two uh competitions, but. Still, uh, yeah, well, and, and I think that that draw wasn't that the game that Kenny got the red card for stomping? Yes, that was the one one draw. Um, I think so, yeah. So, like, uh, I don't know, like, I, I'm not too worried about that. And their performance lately has not been the greatest. And then I feel like so that's the game you, you play your starting lineup for. And then with the Red Bulls, I feel like you probably will see some rotation, even though it's at home. Uh, but there's five subs, so like if it's not working out, you just throw in the the guys that you usually start with. So it's not a huge deal to get some rotation into that game. And Red Bulls have sucked lately. Like they're like five losses in a row at this point. Like it's a sea of red. Um, it's it's terrible, and I don't feel any qualms in saying that. Like I I feel like obviously the guys still have to show up. They still have to perform. But like they're professionals, they can do that. Uh, they shouldn't think it's going to be a simple win. So yeah, it's it's fine. I feel like we can win both these games if we play our cards right, and uh, we should be able to. Yeah, I think I agree. I think the the wild card for me is San Antonio, and so how conservative do we be in these two games? And I think if nothing else, Lily's going to look at it and be like, both of these teams are in our in our division, so this is where I'm going to focus my energy. We still want to get points against San Antonio, but taking points from these teams is more important than taking points from San Antonio. So, and like I said though, like you still do that by right. not starting your starters on uh, the Red Bulls game. So that way your starters get rest. And then if you are, you know, in trouble by doing that, you can throw them in. But like, ideally the, you know, the, the non-starters will perform well and they will be winning that game. And we won't have to put in, you know, any of our major, major players. And that way we are rested for San Antonio. Yeah. Well, and looking really quickly too, I mean, I, I didn't have the numbers to pull it up, so I didn't want to say it immediately, but at Josh, as you were talking, I went through back and, and looked at our schedule. Barring the home game against Miami on August 11th, we haven't lost a single home game since going back to Austin. Um, so, you know, Highmark is becoming somewhat of a fortress now. We're getting some really good results at, at home, and 
on top of that, I mean, just yeah, the fresh taste in the mouth of Atlanta scoring four goals and creating a, a crap ton of chances. It it feels like you know, yeah, bring on anyone at home and and we're gonna we're gonna feel pretty good. I mean, yeah, the Tampa game was a bit boring and <laughs> everything, but uh, but yeah, it, so you know, having Red Bulls at home, I think, is gonna be big. I think going away against Hartford, that's that's the big one. Well, it'll start Saturday, so we will see how the guys do. Um, gentlemen, before we wrap this one up, just real quick, Premier League Week 2 action. This is your reminder that uh, if you play Fantasy Premier League, you can come join us in the Mongols Fantasy League. Our buddy, Golden Glove winner who got a shout-out earlier, Danny Vidiello, is in the league. He's currently in first place with 155 points. If you have more than 155 points, join the league and you'll supplant <laughs> Danny in the first place. It's very simple. So, um, look, we got we got all sorts of Mongols swag and stuff that's just sitting in my closet. We're going to give away something to the winner of this league. So come in and battle Danny for it for the top spot. I'm slowly climbing and, you know, hopefully I will overtake him and then I'll just keep it for myself. But if you're interested, we shared the, uh, the link in the chat for the uh, live show. Uh, to join the league. For those who are listening, the join code is the number five, the word row, R-O-W, the letter T, and the number eight. So five row T8. Um, go you pick your own access code? Because <laughs> no. that was no. terrible if you could pick it. I did not pick it. It just, okay. that's what it gave us. So five row T8. Come and join the league. Have some fun. Compete against us and Danny Vidiello and whoever else wants to play. Uh, and you could win some cool Mongol stuff. So um, real quick, I guess, any sort of takeaways for you guys from uh, from week two? Lara Ellen, unsurprisingly, just wrote Brighton in exclamation, 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 exclamation. So Brighton has won both of their games thus far. So kudos to them. Um, any other sort of highlights? Maybe the reemergence of Paul Pogba actually, like, making a difference and like showing up at United is like a good thing, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. And yet they still draw. Da- Danny, <laughs> Danny Ings had a sick goal for, uh, for Aston Villa this weekend, uh, which was great. Oh, look good. Yeah. yeah. Ollie Watkins is still out with an injury and there's a couple of other guys that are out. So we'll Josh, the, Ever- the Everton Leeds game looked incredible. Yeah. I mean, like it, you know, we, we drew, which is, but it looked, it looked, it was fun. Yeah. It was a fun game to watch and we haven't lost a game yet. I guess I can say that still, uh, (laughs) two games in. So that's fun. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, the fact that they're not crap this year so far is, is fantastic in my mind because I was having very little hope in this team this, this season. So no complaints from me. You could tell like the difference in fandom where I'm just like, our team got a goal and I'm like, that goal was amazing. And Josh was like, <laughs> we haven't lost yet. So I guess, you know, we're okay. <laughs> two weeks in Liverpool sitting yeah. at two wins, obviously. And, uh, yeah. 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 Is there anything else to say about team. that? No, we're not going to do that. That's fine. Moving on. Um, not about, not about Liverpool. Uh, you know, the, the the saga of Messi ends and then a new one begins where, you know, the news is Ronaldo uh, is kind of poking Ju- Juventus saying like, hey, I might want to leave. Um, so we could have Ronaldo uh, on the move. But once again, I mean, with, with the current landscape of like the financials and, and European clubs, everything's so fractured right now where like the three teams that can afford salaries like that one of them has just gave Messi like a half a million dollars a week. Um, 
I well, wait, wait, wait. Real quick, real quick. Hold on. They also want Pogba. They already have Messi and Neymar and uh, um, and they Mbappe, do, and now yeah. they want Pogba too. Like, no, they're, they're really they're, their challenge is going to be. Uh, I I feel like they'll probably sign him next season, and the next season. I mean, it gives them time to shift players off their books to make space for their wage gap. I think the problem becomes is as Barcelona are feeling this right now, it's not easy to just sell Griezmann and sell Coutinho. No one, no one has the the money, the money to, to pay yeah. these players in this market. And so historically it's been easy to shift good players. And now everyone's like, I can't, I can't afford $300,000 a week for, for this player who, who hasn't been doing anything for you. So I think, I think super clubs, it's it's an interesting thing where historically players move really quickly, especially players of this caliber. And now it's, you know, it's like, you know, PSG hasn't signed anyone for a year and a half. Maybe they have, maybe they can sign someone. And that's pretty much it. Uh, it's just wild. To that to that point real quick, I think it was Laura Allen um, who shared the, the tweet with us from Fox Soccer. So, Kev, we talked about this a little bit last week. Pep Guardiola has spent nearly a billion dollars in transfers since he's taken over at Man City. That's a billion with a B. And if they go and get Harry Kane, he will cross that this season. As I see you like peeking around the chart. Yeah, I feel very um, insulted that you just put that chart up in my face. <laughs> yeah, I totally did. Well, I guess if I lean this way. Yeah, yeah there we I'll go. Make you no. feel there we go. <laughs> ah, ah, wrong hand. There we go. I find that thing. But yeah, so 200, two, over 200 million in 2016, almost 300 million in 2017. Only, only air quotes, 74 million in 2018, 150, 152, and he will likely be pushing 300 by the end of this, this, uh, this window here. Like there are teams that are like, we can't afford 30 million for one player. And he's dropping 300 million on like two. So I, it's okay. They sold 60 million and that's why they can spend the money on, on Grealish. I still like Pep. But like FFP is a thing, Mike. It's okay. Financials, you know, there's a no, cap look, to everything. But like, that's here's the thing: like Arteta, I think is trying to do the exact same thing at Arsenal, and it's not working. Where he's just like, no, I got to buy all these players, and Ar- Arsenal's like, all right, just don't finish in the bottom half again. And like, to be fair, Arsenal's players are crap, so you know, like they kind of. <laughs> but that's the point. Is like they're they're you know he's he splashed money to keep the mill smith row and now they're bringing what odegaard in to like completely replace him and it was like why and they gave him the number 10 and everything and it's like you're treating players like rubbish and you're trying to buy your way out of mediocrity just be a better manager and i know that he coached under pep and it's like well yeah there's the philosophy just give me a bunch of money and i'll give you a winning side and that's not the case in arsenal so I will say, I think, I think the more relevant um, kind of financial metric to use is net spend in the year. And I mean, even when using that, um, I haven't compared City's numbers while Pep has been there to every other club in the team in league. But um, net spend and doing the math independently of what you just set it up, it ends up being around the hundred million net spend every every um, year for Pep. Um, if you take into account all the players that they've sold. And if you compare that to a lot of other clubs, yeah. I mean, like, I know Liverpool, since Klopp has been in, their net spend has been $20 million a, a year. Um, so, yeah, it's still it's still crazy when you're spending over $100 million on left backs. <laughs> like, just... And and you still haven't solved the issue. Um, yeah, and it, it, it speaks to the wider, yeah, thing of 
FFP is a joke. Uh, you know, Super League, it has, in my opinion, it's not dead. It'll come back around. I mean, the, the financials in this game are fractured beyond the point of repair where, you know, Barcelona are in calamity and just, that's not the right word, but I just wanted to say that word for whatever reason popped up in my head. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it'll be either something big is going to happen or we're just going to further cement ourselves into where we are. I don't think the the big six are going anywhere. They're not the top six anymore, I, but I don't think the big six are going anywhere. They're, they're too financially um, cemented in um, and, and kind of separated from the rest of the league. Uh, it's not, it's not healthy for European soccer. Um, and I, yeah, I'll, I'll be very curious to see what happens. If they, my, 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 like, so like my, like Pogba will go to PSG next year. I think like, I don't think that's going to stop anything with Messi going there. Um, yeah. Team chaos. I want everything to implode. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be interesting. <laughs> it's not my league. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think we should wrap this show up. I don't know where else we go from Team Chaos. So maybe it's just Team Chaos for everything. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, you know, we appreciate it every single week, especially, you know, I shouldn't say especially, but, you know, those of you who join us live, share comments. Freudian Doctor, flip. We like you better. Doc, <laughs> Dr. Laura Allen. Yeah, that's not what I meant. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, like I said, Head over to mongols.com, click and support the show, become a Patreon follower. Uh, head over to the Fantasy Premier League and join the league. Uh, it's five row T8. That's your uh, that's your chance to get in with us and potentially win some stuff. Obviously, we have your weekly reminder, Black Lives Matter, and we head into the sponsors. So thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. You custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Looking for more great USL news? Head over to BGN.FM where we've now got over 100 fans that are writing and podcasting about the beautiful game. Lots of great features that went up on the site this week. Check them out at BGN.FM. Otherwise, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. <laughs>